When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I have the privilege to talk to Lori Fitzpatrick of USA Today. Uh, Thanks for joining me. I'm stoked. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this weekend and kind of discussing what our teams are all about, right, after we uh, witnessed this uh, week one. Well, I mean, week one is, you know, basically the microcosm of the whole season. So I am really excited to see the Houston Texans go on to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they're gonna, <laughs> I, I think I might pick the Eagles um, just because I think Jalen Hurts. I mean, he just looks unstoppable. But no, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think we do this so every funny. year. Like we, we kind of get into this mindset of like, you know, everybody's wait, waiting through the preseason of the first little bit of action stuff happens and all of a sudden like we all draw these huge conclusions uh so, everybody's dying for a take right? you know yep and, and you know so. all of our all of our priors we have to confirm those you know so <laughs> but i mean i mean i watched i watched both games i i was impressed with trevor lawrence's arm strength first and foremost like i did not watch much of the jaguars in the preseason um i obviously i watched a little bit of florence when he was coming out clemson Obviously, like the Broncos didn't have a chance at him. I knew you guys were never like he was never making a pass first overall. Uh, so I didn't focus on him when I studied the quarterbacks, but I was impressed with the arm strength. Uh, what did you kind of think of him based on that? Because I think like that's kind of the best place to start. Yeah, so I, you know, I kind of I kind of wrote about it um, on the touchdown wire and I kind of touched on they they wanted me to write about his his turnovers. Right. But kind of having like i don't have like a a bias necessarily i i guess you know maybe i do a little tiny bit but in in terms of like just his overall play despite the turnovers i feel like he did well like it, he threw the ball hard like you're saying you know it got out of his hand quickly um he obviously he made some mistakes uh but 
honestly, the the offensive line did terrible, and he didn't get sacked. Uh, and he was able to avoid a lot of the pressure. So he had really good footwork in the po- uh, in, in the pocket. You know, he, he was really good at evading the rushers, uh, then throwing off of his back foot, even kind of stopping and then making sure that his body was right before he followed through on the throw. Um, he, he took chances. He made some passes in tight windows. Uh, he led some receivers. And then, like, the downside, he, he had a couple overthrows. Um, that uh, that were are a little concerning, and then some chances that he took were you know the interceptions did happen, so you know there there was a lot of upside, and then th- there the downside kind of outweighed the upside because the downside with interceptions is like you know takeaways, and that's any team that has more takeaways is usually going to win the game. So mm-hmm. it was unfortunate, but there were a lot of very good things that you know you saw from him in week one. And that's one of those things that I think like people watching the box score sees kind of what see, they see what kind of happens and they just think, Oh, the Broncos are probably going to roll on this game. And honestly, I thought Trevor Lawrence's arm strength is good enough that he's going to be able to test the windows in the Broncos zone. So that's a concern for me. I thought you guys had some decent runs. I thought James Robinson looked good. I thought like there's plays there. I also thought that the Jaguars receivers had some drops. Um, and if that gets cleaned Five. up, yeah. And if that gets cleaned up, all of a sudden Lawrence's numbers look a lot better. Um, and I think DJ Shark is a matchup problem for for Kyle Fuller for sure, and Bryce Callahan because he's tall. And LaVisca Chanel is he's a freak. Yeah, man. Yeah, he uh he has something about him where he never ever ever goes down on the first uh, attempt at a tackle. Like ever. The dude is crazy. I don't know what his core workout is, uh, but he 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 can carry guys at least three yards before um, you know before he goes down, which is amazing. So I, I think it's going to be a big part of the game uh, this upcoming week is kind of giving it to Lavisca in the flat or bubble screens to kind of give him a chance to make a big play, uh, maybe get get that first down or, or you know when it's like third and short or second and short even. You know, throwing it behind the line of scrimmage and letting him kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think that that because I agree with you, I think Lavisca is going to be a huge part of the game plan. Uh, and one of the things that'll help with too is, on paper, to me, the Broncos' pass rush against the Jaguars' line should favor the Broncos. Uh, obviously, Bradley Chubb's health is a concern for me, just because on the Giants uh, in the Giants game. Uh, without Bradley Chubb, the Broncos' edge rotation, their third and fourth edge rushers are Jonathan Cooper and Andre Mintz, and they are rookies. Uh, Cooper is a seventh-round pick. Mintz is an undrafted free agent. They both look good in the preseason, but obviously there's a there's a decent jump from the preseason to the regular season. Uh, both of the Giants' touchdowns actually happened when they were both on the field together, um, and the first one, the touchdown on Patrick Sertan happened. If you watch Jonathan Cooper and Andre Mintz, well, Cooper gets taken out by Devontae Booker on a on a chip block, just like completely depleted, like it's like a Madden clip. Uh, and Mintz is just ineffective, um, which, I mean, it happens. You know, you're a rookie, red rusher, you're not always going to get there. But that is a concern for me. But I do think if Von Miller's on the field, like that is going to be a concern for the Jaguars. And getting Chenault involved is a way to kind of like try and mitigate that. Yeah, no, and I think it's... um. I think it's something where, you know, going over the middle of the field is definitely a, a spot where 
Lawrence excels. So it, it may be a little bit, bit of an issue for you guys, but it, it's tough because it's going to be a brand new defense, you know, that, that they're not used to seeing. And the Texans kind of just ran like two over the top, you know, just like cover two the whole game. So you guys like switch it up a lot. Yeah. Uh, fan, and that's and that's actually something I'm curious about too with this because uh, so Fangio's system is predicated on basically they they base out a too high pre snap but the safeties will spin they spin probably more than any you know any defense in the league so they they might end up in cover three they might end up in cover one they use a lot of pattern match cover three where it'll look like cover three but it's actually playing out similar to man I know you know this but you know for our listeners yeah um and so like. Lawrence on the times I've watched him like that has been a thing before where a spinning safety can throw him. So I'm kind of expecting Fangio to try and dial that up even more to try and kind of like get him to hesitate. Yeah. So like what I think is going to happen is uh, last week, there weren't really many underneath routes that were thrown. So I think that this week um, there's definitely going to be some, some, <clears throat> some crossers, some underneath crossers that Lawrence is going to try to take advantage of because, you know, the best way to kind of get a, a rookie quarterback acclimated or, or just the quarterback that, you know, maybe is having some issues or some doubts is to just have more short passing. So, so it's high percentage throws. So high percentage for the catch, right? So I think they're going to throw some underneath routes to kind of make those linebackers step up. And then get those one-on-one matchups on the outside with uh, Chark and uh, Ch- Chark and Marvin Jones. So I, I think it's going to be something where they're, they're going to force your safeties to kind of make a decision. Uh, th- there may even be some some tight end seam routes in there to kind of you know make make them bite on uh, on one guy where they have to either you know make a choice right and then there'll be a guy open on the outside so I think early on it'll be a lot of underneath short passing routes because they didn't do that last week they didn't ease him in at all they were like Lawrence you know throw 51 times and throw them deep and so like it just seemed like he's kind of in over his head and so I think this week it's just gonna be more like rinky dink uh like passes underneath because he's really good at the percentage of throwing in the middle short passes in the middle of the field um so because he's tall enough to kind of get it over those linemen right so he can kind of just throw it right over them uh and then it's kind of up to the either the wide receiver like lavisca or it's up to the the running back to kind of make those yards after catch and then you'll kind of see him uh, maybe open up the defense a little bit and and go a little bit deeper and one thing that might help in that regard for you guys too is the fact that, and again, we don't know yet. We're recording this on Wednesday, guys, but uh, Shelby Harris and uh, Shamar Steven were both limited in practice today. And Shelby Harris, I think dating back to when he joined the Broncos in 2017, he leads the league in batted passes at the line. So even like with Trevor Lawrence's height, like that was something I would be looking for. But if if Harris can't go, like obviously that helps you guys, so. Yeah, and honestly, the, the one of the first passes that Lawrence took was batted at the line. So, uh, so hopefully that's something like he just goes all oh, shucks. Like I really need to to make sure I pay attention to that because it just seemed like he kind of came out like last of day school and he was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna throw this uh, this out route," and it was like doink. It was just like damn, like the first, you know, the first time you come out in preseason, you get sacked. 
Mm-hmm. And then the first time you come out week one, it's batted at the line. Like nothing has started well. So that could be something that, you know, the Broncos fans can definitely look out for is is getting those mitts on the ball uh, at the line of scrimmage. How beyond beyond like kind of like the controlled passing game, is there anything specific that you expect from the offensive line and from pass pro to try and help keep Trevor Lawrence from having a lot of bodies in the pocket? So I think that they're going to run some some 12 personnel. You know, they're going to have some more uh, some more blockers in there. Um, I wouldn't even surprise if they came out in a jumbo, right? So throw an extra lineman in there, you know, uh, <laughs> because I, I don't know if you saw, and I, and I tweeted this last week on PFF, um, AJ Can, the right guard, had a had a uh, percentage like a grade mm-hmm. of nine point two. Oh woof! And that's out of that's not out of ten. Yeah, that, that's out of a hundred. So he had like six pressures, and but that that's the good thing, like that that like that's a good thing about Trevor Lawrence, right? He the his right guard did so bad, and he didn't really get sacked at all and he was under pressure sometimes but he seemed like he had everything under control so um i think it's just going to be more of getting the ball out quicker and not relying on your offensive line to like have to hold for so long and that's going to be you know that's going to be up to also the run game as well kind of establishing the run uh so that either they bite on the play action to give them more time uh or or just like uh or what what are those i don't you know how sometimes you forget the name of a yeah. like of a play so quickly right um where it's it's gonna it's like they act they the quarterback drops back like it's a pass but then he hands oh, it off what yeah draw again a draw uh, yeah draw yeah draw runs they're i think they're gonna run some of those as well i don't know why i just like oh, you, you know good. you have like a brain fart sometimes right so uh yeah i think they'll run some draw plays too it'll it'll kind of keep their keep the defense on their toes uh, and especially um, Von Miller out there. I mean, he's a beast. So yeah. definitely got to watch out for him. But honestly, I don't see it as like a huge issue just because last week, you know, it wasn't so bad. And I know the Texans defensive line isn't as good as the Broncos defensive line. So people were listening like, all right, you know, we'll watch. We'll see. Which, you know, I, I can't – you're not wrong. Uh, but from what we saw last week um, – it wasn't like a huge issue and there were a lot of mistakes where Trevor Lawrence didn't dump, dump it off. He didn't check down when he should have, or he should have ran out with his feet because you know, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, right? He's looks like he runs like a gazelle. He got negative two rushing yards last week. He didn't run at all. And so I think urban is going to try to help him a little bit with saying, dude, you need to check the ball down, throw it to your running back. Or he's going to say, you know what? Roll out and run for those two extra yards because just as long as he slides, I think he'll be fine. So it's getting the ball out quick, draw plays, and uh, and running with Trevor. Well, and that's one of those things where the fact that Harris is hurt or could be hurt and then Shamar Stevens limited and then Bradley Chubb is questionable, like I am definitely concerned about the Broncos pass rush because if, lic- if they're missing all three of those guys, that's not going to help. Um, and I also think, like to your point, like, Trevor Lawrence has never had like a standout offensive line at Clemson, and he did a pretty good job of handling the pass rush there. And he did show up against the Houston Texans, kind of managing the pass rush. And 
sacks are a QB stat in a lot of ways, because at the end of the day, based on what they do, they can, they can kind of manage that. Um, I mean, on the other side of the ball, like that's what Teddy Bridgewater did against the giants. The Broncos had issues in pass pro, but Bridgewater did a great job managing the pocket. Honestly, that like beyond the numbers, beyond the completions, you know, all the other stuff. That was the thing that impressed me most in that game is Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence were camping in the backfield and multiple times they pushed Lloyd Cushenberry back and got through and Bridgewater would find a way to escape and or buy himself just enough time to get rid of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, so there was one play where Tyrod Taylor, who is a little bit more agile and nimble than Teddy um, but still like at the same time, the quarterbacks are looking downfield to pass it. So the fact that, you know, you can avoid pressure, you know, that's, that's pretty flat across the league, right? So if you can avoid pressure, then you can avoid pressure. And, oh man, chase on Clavon chase on try to sack Tyrod Taylor. And he missed like twice. He got into the backfield. He was free. He, he didn't even get blocked and he still missed him. So that is definitely going to be an issue. I think Bridgewater may break some ankles uh, this weekend. I'm I'm nervous. The, the defense is is a huge problem, um, and they they stack the box and they're still not getting like they still didn't get sacks and they they didn't they didn't put as much pressure as what I've liked to seen when you look at the amount of blitzes uh, that they had. So that that's a little concerning. So I'm hoping you know just. You know, of course, you don't want to hear this, but I'm I'm hoping that you know the Jaguars do better than they did last week in terms of pressure and actually bringing down the quarterback. Um, but uh, it, you know, it, after that showing, I'm a little nervous how, how Teddy. When I I saw that one play that he stiff armed that uh yeah. that that rusher coming at him and then he then he threw that pass. Oh man, that looked beautiful and also made me nervous at the same time. I was like, dang, that was nice. So I'm I'm definitely a little nervous about that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite plays from the game. Um, but the thing is, yeah, Aziz Ojolari for the Giants, though, and then Lorenzo Carter, both. Like, both of them found their way into the backfield as well. So the fact that you guys got Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on, like, I'm definitely nervous about that because in, – and the other thing is uh, the Giants did this with Patrick Graham a decent bit. They were, they were mixing in stunts, and they were also – like, there's a couple parts to this. They were doing end tackle stunts at times, and that was working. Uh, they 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 got that to work against Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner once with uh, Lorenzo Carter getting into the backfield. That was the play where Teddy Bridgewater bailed out, and then he scrambled, and he gained like six or seven yards, and he almost got you know his head taken off. Um, but there was a play later in the game where Aziz Ojolari got by, and again, like it's, it's definitely a concern because you guys have talented edge rushers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if you look at Josh Allen, you know, he's he's getting there. Uh it's just you need help, right? Yeah. So you need either you need either a stunt on the other side, you know, where where Teddy kind of, you know, runs away from the stunt and then Josh Allen is there to get him, to bring him down, uh because he can't do it alone. And it, they have the speed on the edges, uh like especially with with Chase on, he's fast but they're not getting there because of the misdirection. So like either the misdirection or it's like a, an offensive lineman is pulling and they're getting blocked. So it's always like they're getting there, but they're not finishing. So, so you're hoping, you know, that they progress to the next level and like, okay, well let's get better next week. Um, but obviously the, this 
honestly, the same thing could happen where they just they get to the they just, they get to the right position, but then they can't bring them down. They don't wrap up. Like they had like an issue tackling last week, and that's kind of hard to fix week to week, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not really practicing, you're not tackling at full speed and during practice during the season. So it's something where like Urban really has to Urban and and the the defensive line coaches have to say like, listen, you really need to in, instead of trying to make the play, you just need to to hit the guy that's in front of the ball carrier to kind of blow it up before they get a chance to kind of break that line of scrimmage. And that's what they need to do. Instead of trying to like evade the blockers and get around them to make the play and to like wrap up, they need to just kind of blow through them to like, you know, just blow up the play um, overall. So it was definitely an issue. I think misdirection would help you guys. Um, But Miles Jack is fast, right? So anything edged sideline to sideline, it's going to be an issue for, for the Broncos. I think you're the best bet is kind of taking it right up the middle, um, kind of like between the tackles and, and make sure you have like some misdirection, like fake screens or something to take miles Jack out of the play. Mm-hmm. So you have the, 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 the middle wide open because uh, the safeties and the nickels on the Jaguars defense are not so good. Wingard gets beat a lot with just a simple cut and like, the, you know, um, if if you think about uh Javante Williams, right? So it, he's he should be playing this week for yeah. you guys, right? Yeah. Um, you, you he, loved him coming out. You and I both loved dude, him coming out. I I absolutely love him, and if he can, if if the Jaguars don't wrap up like they did last week, and then Williams is playing like his normal self, it's gonna be like a highlight show, man. And I'm not looking forward to that. So I'm hoping that you know the Jaguars get home or that you know they stay home and they and they actually wrap up so i'm a little nervous about about that but the the broncos they they would definitely want to run in between the tackles and kind of and make those blocks rather than like that zone inside zone or you know outside zone or or things like that i think really putting your helmet on the guys and running through a specific place and targeting a specific player would definitely be the way to go yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they dial up more gap concepts for Javante Williams just because I thought that they were yeah. they were mixing in a little bit too much with inside zone or outside zone where he was having to make the multiple reads because I thought that that was a little bit of an issue. Um, I also thought that part of the problem the Broncos had on the ground was the fact that uh, the Broncos ran a lot of 12. Um, they ran a lot of 12, and at the end of the game, they mixed in 13. Again, like that that escalates the number, or not escalate, but that makes the numbers a little bit misleading just because they ended the you game. You mean personnel? Yeah, from a personnel standpoint, they use two tight end sets, uh, fifty, two tight ends or more, uh, fifty three percent of the time against the Giants, which is a lot. Obviously, Shermer normally over you know the last three years has uh, tends to use three receiver sets about sixty six percent of the time, but uh, against the Giants, they went kind of like way more heavy. But part of that also hmm. is at the end of the game they ran thirteen with three tight ends uh, seven straight times. So like that's interesting. Um, but part of that is like when you're going that heavy, most defenses are going to respond by bringing more numbers into the box, which makes it harder to run. Um, so that was also a part of it, I thought. Um, and that is also part of the reason why I thought Bridgewater had as many passing windows as he had. Um, so I'm curious to see how that kind of goes forward, especially with Jerry Judy out now, uh, because the Broncos are essentially carrying three, like three NFL receivers, Kendall Hinton and Deontay Spencer. And then they have four starting caliber tight ends. So 
it, it would make more sense to go heavy um, and then kind of mix in shots to KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton where you can. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think tackling is definitely going to be an issue, but um, the Jaguars like to stack the box, man. Rayshon Jenkins is a uh, is is a safety, right? He was in the box, I think, thirty eight times. I think, wow. yeah, thirty eight times lined up inside the box. That's a lot for a safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it could be something where you know they are able to stop the run, and that's why the Texans kind of went deep uh, because there was only one over the top, and and you know Griffin wasn't able to get there, and neither was uh, T- Tyson Campbell. So. It's it's something where I think it plays to the Jaguars' strengths that the wide receivers aren't as, you know, you guys don't have the Judy out there. Um, but you know, Sutton's definitely a uh, a weapon. So, um, you know, but, but I was definitely a little more more worried about the Texans uh, Texans wide receiver like Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So I think maybe it'll be something where they attack the the Jaguars linebackers instead. Because they looked really bad in zone last week, so hopefully they stick to man to man, and uh, it'll be just a uh, be like a power game, right? Let's just try to run each other over, and whoever tackles the most wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and and that's one of those things too that uh, for for our listeners. Well, first of all, I, I want to mention this here since we talking we're talking a little bit about Cortland Sutton. There's a video out again. If you guys are listening to this on Thursday, you probably are seeing the video at some point today of Colton Sutton from practice yesterday where he looks quote unquote like hobbled or whatever, because he's, it's a, it's a placement drill. It's a foot placement drill. Yes. He's recovering from the ACL tear from last year. Yes. He's like, you know, still working through it, but I, he's not on the injury report. He's a hundred percent as far as like, he's ready to play. Like if that changes, obviously, you know, that changes, but like, as of now, like there's no reports that he's having issues with his knee. Um, but to your point, uh, the Jaguars with Joe Cullen, they they run a lot of uh, single high safety. So if if the Broncos can get somebody isolated, the shot could be there for like KJ Hamler. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and really, the secondary is the the biggest issue for the Jaguars defense right now because their 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 run their run defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even they played okay last week. Um, it was really the secondary where some some switches got had like a miscommunication was definitely an issue um and you know griffin tried to do too much where he you know he, he was watching his receiver go over the top and then it looked like maybe chase on was going to make the sack and tyrod got away from him and then griffin by the by the time he turned back around his receiver was downfield still running his route mm-hmm. and then they got like a 40 yard pass so it's something where you know Griffin has to just worry about his own man and do his own job, um, and and I think you know it it could be okay, but I'm definitely still nervous, man. Definitely still nervous that you know Ham Hamler's a good you know wide receiver. I I can't believe he made that drop last week. Yes, yeah, oh my god, 
No, I, yeah. That was that was like heartbreaking. I was like, I, I didn't really tweet a lot about other games last week, but I, I did like I tweeted like big capital letters, like, oh my god, I cannot believe he dropped that. That was that was crazy. Oh yeah. boy. And to like, and and to his credit, like there was a third down after, like you know, a little bit later in the game, like first uh, first drive of the third quarter where Bridgewater escaped pressure and he was trying to, you know, trying to make something happen. And KJ Hamler had gotten open in the middle of the field on a comeback, but he kept moving to get himself open. So he wasn't just static. And he ended up coming up with a big catch going up for the ball to get it, to bring it in for Bridgewater. So I am concerned about the drop. uh, If only because like, that is something that coming out of Penn state, that was a question I had about Hamler and he didn't play enough last year that we necessarily solved that question. So I definitely do hope that, you know, he proves that his hands are, are better than like my fears. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's more of like an anxiety. That's more of like an anxiety thing. So it's something where just as long as he gets out of his own head, you know, he should, he should be fine. And I think Um, we as like, sorry, but like we on the outside too, I think we underestimate how difficult like a sky shot, like, cause essentially you're, you're doing this, putting your hands up and letting it come down to you. So it's it's easy to screw that up. Um well and and run at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's it's really like honestly, I don't know if it looks easy, but it's really hard in person like to do. To track a ball and like not trip over your own feet and the defenders because if you trip over the defenders feet, they're not they're not calling a, you know, a defensive no. pass interference. Like that's on you. You know, only if they like extend their arms really is when you get a defensive pass interference. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be on a not top 10 on Friday. So, so w- one other question I have for you is the special teams, because I thought the Jaguar special teams actually showed up in a couple really good ways. Uh, I thought you guys were pretty close to getting a block on a punt. And I thought you guys almost blocked a kick at one point. Um, obviously you didn't, but it was close. And if, I don't know if you know this, I don't blame you if you don't, but uh, in Denver, we don't call them special teams. We call them shitty teams because basically oh. <laughs> because since Tom McMahon has taken over as the coordinator, uh, the Broncos special teams have been one of the wor- 10 worst in football for three straight years. Uh, last year, or last week was promising, but I think we're all still a little bit nervous of, you know, going into each week with that. Um, do you think special teams could be a factor? After hearing what you just said, absolutely. Um, <laughs> So as, as someone who like, you know, intently listens to Urban Meyer and watches the changes that he's making to this team and the roster entirely, we all thought that he put way too much into special teams. He like dropped guys and signed guys like Rudy Ford is an example, who's like starting now. And he was just a special teamer on the Eagles when he played there because he was so good at special teams and he's like a starter on the Jaguars because he does so well on special teams. And then he can also play okay on defense. And it's just like, what? So like he puts a lot of effort and a lot of like, he he puts a lot of time and thought into special teams because he thinks how, like how big of a deal it is in the NFL. Um, Because, you know, whoever gets turnovers or takeaways, like I said in the beginning, like you have a good chance of winning the game. Um, and if you're able to like block a punt and get really good field position to like let your kind of rookie get a 
get like a, a one up or a jump start on, on offense, it could be huge. So I think, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't just like, you know, go over to red zone when they're punting this week. I think we should pay attention because it could be something, something crazy could happen. You never know. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's one of those things where when I'm watching most games, when like punts and stuff come on, that's when I like usually go and check like, Oh, let's see what's going on on Twitter. Uh, on the yeah. Broncos for two years now, I haven't been able to do that just cause I'm always like, Oh God, please don't allow a touchdown. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching in very, uh, very closely this upcoming week on special teams. You never know. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe you'll see a couple of fakes or something like that. That'll be cool. Right. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, You're like, no, that would no, not be cool. That, it wouldn't. Uh, I would rather <laughs> it be completely boring on special teams. And it's one of those things like, like the Broncos special teams against the giants, like during the game, it was one of those situations where I was like, Oh, I think they're playing pretty good. And like, part of it was just because like nothing bad happened. But like when I went back over the tape of it, I was like, yeah, they actually, there was one, I want to say it was a punt. There was one punt where it was a little bit close for my liking. But other than that, I thought they held up pretty okay. Um, so like, I'm, I'm hopeful, but it may also just be the fact that the Giants may not have the personnel to, to rush. So we'll see. Um, where do you land so far on Urban Meyer? Like having said that you, you, you've been listening to his pressers and stuff. Like I do the same thing with Fangio and I, 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 and I don't want to like, you know, put you on the spot too much, but like, I know people in Denver are very attentive to all the rumors and stuff from the lock and for, uh, the report. I don't know if you saw this from CBS, basically about all the dysfunction and stuff with Urban Meyer, uh, Reddit, like it was a college football Reddit said that thing about how he was going to take the USC job. And it, and I've talked to, I talked to a beat reporter who covers the Jaguars who basically said, that's not true. Um, well, that was like a troll. Like yeah. the, apparently, even though he's verified, it's like a troll account. So the fact that a, a media member on the Jaguars asked him about the USC job um, and he was like, no chance that Reddit CFB account retweeted that question and put like laughing emojis. Like, I can't believe they are actually asking about this because we were just like trolling. Um, but everything with Urban Meyer is under a microscope. Every yeah. little thing. So it's almost like you pay attention to it, but you don't at the same time. And today I was to the point where I was responding to like people that were commenting on that thread because it was pissing me off so much because it was like, why are you trolling? Like, why? Like, does it does it help you sleep at night? Like, honestly, saying like, oh, this guy's a liar. He said no chance. Like, come on, I would lie better than that. His face is saying that, you know, he's really taking the job. And I was just responding like, like, how do you really think that Urban is lying about saying that there's no chance? Like, come on. Like, after week one, like, you really think that he's contemplating whether or not to, like, to leave? Like, come on, man. He's he's putting in, like, billion-dollar like or million dollar re renovations and like he he's trying to change the city of Jacksonville and it was one game one i'm not going to lie though i was a little nervous with some of those back to like your original question and my my thoughts on him and my faith in him and all that good stuff yeah. i think that he, he it's a little concerning with the illegal formations mm -hmm. where it's like when you let your when you let your um, your positional coaches take over so much, 
where you don't know if they're even lining up correctly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a problem because you should want to oversee everything to make sure every single positional player is doing the right thing. So when you get like three illegal formation calls in one half because your your right tackle is lined up too far off of the line of scrimmage, which makes him an, el- an eligible receiver, and then when the refs see that he's just blocking and he's not an eligible receiver, like that's a flag right there. And at the after the game, they asked him, like, dude, what was up with that? And he's just like, you know, he's just like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk with the positional coaches on on that, like, you know, that they can't do that, basically. They, they, they can't let their guys line up off of the ball so far just so they can get a jump on the rushers that are coming off the line really fast. Like, you shouldn't have your guys line up three yards off the line of scrimmage you know, that that's putting your offense back. Like it was like third and 15 or, or something like that. And, and it's not going to help your rookie quarterback. So those little things, that's an issue. Having 12 men on the field, that's an issue, but it's also your, his very first game. And I get it. He was such a good college coach, but think about the, the level of talent from college football to the NFL. It's a huge jump. That's why it's so hard to value if a guy is going to be a bust or not because he's always going to be a good against guys that are Mm walk-ons. But in the NFL, you're playing against the best of the best and everything's so much faster. So you think it's not faster for a coach too? It's absolutely faster for a coach. And he can't have his eyes everywhere and he's trusting on his positional coaches to be able to do that, like to have his back. And if they mess up, it's all on him. So, like, it's kind of not fair, um, but that's the name of the game. And when you're Urban Meyer, who's, like, the most, like, you know, successful college coach ever, you're going to get, like, I don't know if I can curse or not, but, like, no, you're going to get, like, shitted on. You're going to get shitted on by the by the media. And now everybody is going so deep into it. And it's just, like, yeah. why don't you guys take a step back, like, and really think about it. Urban Meyer's wife is now responding to trolls about the, the USC rumor. It's just like I just feel bad for him and his family that they have to deal with all of these rumors. And now our PR lady, um, Amy Pawlik, she's like taking. She's like, no, he's not gonna take questions from the Broncos media yep. staff. And then that's a huge deal. Like, oh man, it's another thing Urban is failing at. Like he's, you know, he's messing up even more. And it's just like, why is every little thing like the Jaguars were already the worst, like in the NFL. Like and now it's just it's just frustrating as a fan to always get like the shit end of the stick. Yeah. And then like now you have a coach who's like the most winningest like coach ever in college football and you expect him to like you know have have it together. But it's you know you have to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And so like it's going to take a little bit of time like Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So it's I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for Urban Meyer. You know, I I I hate how the media acts towards him. And I just think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to pull it together. I think he makes some mistakes, but you learn from them. And it's all about how he's going to do every single week moving forward. Does he, does he change from the mistakes? Are we going to see another legal illegal formation? Yeah. Then it's a problem. But like before you even know it's week one, like everybody's just freaking out. And I just, I just think it's crazy. And I think it's awful for, you know, and maybe I'm being a girl about it, No, (laughs) but but like I, I'm emotional about it because you know I care, right? 
No, I totally get it. Because, uh, again, like, coming into this year, basically, and, again, the Broncos, like, not to get into the weeds too much with this, but, like, the Broncos for the last two years have been pretty bad. Um, Obviously, there's, like, reasons around that. There's, you know, parts to it. But, like, there's been a general narrative that Vic Fangio's a shitty head coach or, like, he's a good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. And, again, like, we don't know yet. Like, you know, we have – because of the injury situation. But but I get you because I, I got heated about it because, like, I, I talked to, you know, college coaches or, like, people who really, like, dig into the X's and O's and they're like, dude, like, Fangio's defense is, like, where the NFL is going. So, for me, for the longest time, it's been like, dude, give him a chance to see if, like, yeah. this is good enough to deal with. Um. The questions I have about Urban Meyer kind of center on the fact that, like, selfishly, like, first of all, like, I'm totally cool with dysfunction this week if it leads to, you know, the Broncos winning. Because, like, selfishly, all that's what <laughs> I want. But, yeah, but, of course. But, like, I think the NFL is better when teams are good. I also think the NFL is better when there's good quarterbacks in it. And, like, I am nervous about, like, what I, you know, like, the reports and stuff. Not the, the Reddit. Like, I thought that was kind of, you know, just a thing. But I'm nervous yeah. about, like, the dysfunction and stuff like that. Like, the rumors of that just because... I want Trevor Lawrence to be one of the better quarterbacks in football, even though it sucks he's in the AFC, but it'll be more fun to watch football if Trevor Lawrence lives up to what we all think of him. So I, I hope yeah. that if Urban Meyer is the guy, I hope that like kind of comes through and we start to see that playing out. Um, yeah. And if it's not, then yeah. like I hope after this year, if that's how it's going to go, I hope you guys get the right coach. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I think it's it's very easy to make an assumption yeah. With and and like just quote just say quote quotes sources. Yep. When you know Urban's background, you know the fire that is lit under him. You know like his attitude, you know how he feels when he loses. It's so easy to say that like to say like oh, he's he's blaming everybody and and he's treating the 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 players like they're in college. Like how? Like how? Tell me. Because I don't know, because everybody is just making it up because it's easy, because you can't prove it wrong because of just his personality. So it's not like anybody could say, oh, no, that's not true, because there's nothing that's like making that base true anyway. Like, it's just you're going off of his his personality, which is like anybody's going to be mad when you lose. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, for what it's worth. Exactly. So am I. But it's like because of urban and how he is he can't react anyway or it's going to be shed in a negative light so if he takes it easy he's like oh he's not taking it serious and you know oh he's in jacksonville so blah blah then if he's too hard then it's like this is in college so it's like no matter what he's going to be shown in a negative light and so it's just you know it, it's it's how it is but i think it's important for him to just focus on coaching Trevor, yeah. right? So Trevor took too many chances last week. So I think if he just begins to check the ball down, like and throw it, th throw like shorter passing rounds, and then you let him be Trevor, right? So he, that was a quote today that he, that Urban actually said in one of his pressers, like I have to let Trevor be Trevor. When, um, when Mia, one of the media members asked him like, hey, he didn't run the ball at all. Like, why didn't he tuck it and just run? Because, you know, we didn't want him to, you, you know, they don't want him to get hurt, right? But he all, they also have to let him be him. So he's going to be successful by, you know, forcing the defense to step up and play him as a runner. And then what does that do? That opens up, you know, guys downfield. So you can't just be one-dimensional. And so just as long as they don't keep Trevor on too much of a leash, 
um i think that would be the only way that they would you know kind of uh hinder his development um and uh you know maybe taking like calling plays that take too long to develop but it's e honestly offense is pretty easy to call to be honest like if, if, if it's not crossers across the field and you have like dump passes, then you can throw it to the outside. And then there's concept routes against certain zones. So like, it's pretty easy for like Trevor to just see like, okay, this guy's going to run, you know, it's like a, a dagger, right? So this slot runs a post and then the outside guy, you know, either runs another post and, and he looks at the one safety or he runs a fade and, and you throw it one-on-one. -on -one. So, I mean, it's not, that hard to like call plays to Trevor's strengths. So I don't think he'll mess it up in terms of like, in terms of that, but maybe in terms of like the illegal formations, 12 men on the field, making those mistakes. If he does that again, week two, then that is a problem. Agreed. Sorry. And I kind of like went off. No, <laughs> no, I, I I'm yeah, no, you're good. Um, and to your point though, that is actually one of those things I am kind of concerned about with, uh, with the talent you guys have at receiver. And again, like for Broncos fans who, you know, don't are kind of myopic and don't may, maybe look, you know, beyond like the division, like AJ shark is legit. Um, I literally think LaVisca Chanel, like with health luck is going to end up being one of the better receivers in football, uh, just because he can do it all. And he's a freaky athlete. Um, and the fact is the Broncos lost Ronald Darby. And again, I'm saying this as on Wednesday, Broncos lost Darby on yesterday. And as of now, they're starting Patrick Sertan now at the boundary corner and Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller. Well, Kyle Fuller gave up a 40 yard completion to uh, Darius Slayton and Patrick Sertan. And again, I don't blame him necessarily entirely for this, but like Patrick Sertan got beat for that touchdown against Daniel Jones. I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just all about matchups yeah, this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And, and so like if, if the offensive line can can hold, it's it's going to be an offensive battle because I'm concerned about this the Jaguar secondary. And from what I hear, you're a little concerned about the Broncos secondary, like in their corners mostly. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an offensive battle. So I mean, I like Sertan a lot. I do too. I do too. Um, like He's I I just I I actually just wrote an article on you know Patrick Sertan, uh, and <clears throat> you know I. I Everybody, everybody, uh, after everything I was reading, everybody kind of wanted to draft like Justin Mac, Fields. uh, yeah, Justin or yeah. Mac, but it's like, you have nobody to like, you didn't really have anybody like else to throw to. I mean, yeah, you have like the tight ends, but it's also good to build the defense and then grab a quarterback. Right. So I kind of liked the pick to be honest, because I think Sertan is a lockdown corner and, you know, it doesn't take corners that long for the game to kind of slow down. Um, so I think it's only going to take like a couple games for, for Sertan to really kind of hold his own per se. Uh, no, I do too. I, and again, like, I think he's ready to start. Uh, my concern. And again, like my concern is more just based on the matchup stuff and based on the fact that it is basically his first start because he played 16 snaps last week. Uh, and most of them were in dime, uh, the Broncos in the set. I want to say, so he played second. inside. Yeah. So the Broncos have been using okay. And again, like this is all going to be different for you guys because now that Darby's out, they're not going to do this. But during camp, the Broncos to try and get Sertan on the field and to try and create better matchups against like the elite tight ends they were going to face in the AFC West, 
they started to use more dime personnel with uh, Sertan and Callahan in the slots. And last week they, they brought it out some. So like that's where most of Sertan's snaps came. But for one series, they put him out on the boundary and they pulled Kyle Fuller off. And that's when, uh, and again, I don't blame, Sertan probably should have closed on the play on the crosser a little bit faster. But honestly, the biggest complaint I have about him is the fact that after the catch was made uh, by Sterling Shepard, his tackle attempt wasn't what it should have been considering how little help he had downfield. Um, but the big issue on that play in my mind was the fact that the Broncos pass rush was, they didn't have Von Miller on the field. They didn't have Malik Reed on the field. They didn't have Shelby Harris on the field. They had Draymond Jones. Uh, I want to say Shamar Steven. I don't remember this. And then they had the backup edge rushers. So like that was the bigger issue. Um, and that would obviously probably present issues against you guys just because if Trevor Lawrence has time, like he's going to be able to find people. Yeah, I mean, I think I I mean just from you know, just from my own personal opinion, I don't even think the issue is what you're saying. I think the issue is just like switching him up like in the middle of the game. like a, a, a in, in the middle of a defensive drive, right? He's playing nickel or in dime like inside the like the whole game or like at least a couple of theories. And then, like, yeah, you throw him on the outside and expect him to, like, stop a play from a guy that's, like, on the outside. I mean, I, I think it's just, like, the switch. So, I think, like, if he just, like, starts in one play, he he's not, like, you know, Patrick Peterson. He could just play everywhere, and he's a veteran. He knows what everybody's going to do. Like, you got to give him time to really settle in, and then you switch him up, and then a big play happens. It's just, like, obviously... I think like if you start him on the outside, then he'll probably have a better chance. But tackling has is one of his like like you know weaknesses, I guess you could say. Like he tries to make like a shoelace tackle in a way. He doesn't really like to he's not like a Jalen Ramsey. He's not gonna put his skull into a guy's shoulder pads or anything. Mm -hmm. Um but uh but yeah, well I'm I'm gonna have to send make a call to Urban and tell him to do crossers when uh Sertan's on the outside, so hopefully. No, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay. I expect it, uh, to be honest. But no, to your point, though, that is, uh, I'm glad you brought that up about the piece, though, because, um, and again, like the fact that Teddy Bridgewater played as well as he did against the Giants is probably quieting this some. But basically, when the Broncos benched Drew Locke for Teddy Bridgewater, for a lot of Broncos fans, it really, and again, like I'll, I'll admit, like this is definitely something that I mentioned because I, I did believe in Justin Fields. Um, I had Justin Fields as my second highest rated player. And I want to mention this for listeners. Like you do a lot of draft work. Um, we talked, we touched on this a little bit with Javante Williams, but like you're somebody like I respect the hell out of like for the draft stuff. And so like, when you say that you really like the Patrick Sertan pick that I, it caught my eye uh, because I loved Patrick Sertan. He was the top defensive player on my board. Uh, and I thought he was a hand in glove fit for the Broncos defense. But to me, just like the value that you could get, if you get like Justin Fields in your right, is really hard. Yeah. Um, that, and also like, and again, I haven't studied these next year's class of quarterbacks yet, but like from what I've seen of them, I am not optimistic about this next class is like the solution. So it's kind of like the Broncos are kind of in a situation where they may end up be best off extending Teddy for another year and then kind of seeing what happens down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That, that might be honestly your best bet. It's, it's always hard to, to tell though. Um, especially early on in the year, because I feel like every single quarterback going into a draft for the next year, 
some of those guys like aren't even on the radar until the middle of the season. Yep. Like they can kind of like come out of nowhere. So I I think it's important just to kind of like see how see how like the season goes. Um, because you know, you have guys that that have those like Matt Crowell from Old Miss, he you know, he's not bad. He has you know, he, he has guys that were behind him that were like Justin Herbert. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's kind of like him where, you know, you never know what could happen. They could have those core like values or attributes where when they get into the NFL, you know, they pair along with a coach really well. So um, I just think it's important to get a defensive player, um, especially if you don't have like a guy at a position where it's crucial, right? Because who you guys play against is the biggest reason for your failure or your success. You're in a tough division with really good playmakers on offense. So if you want to kill a rookie quarterback because he has no defense to kind of let him get off the field and take a rest, then they're, they're you're not they're not going to have any development. So I think it's important because of the division that you're in to be able to have like lockdown corners to to give your offense some rest cuz like dude Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey man they're they're good so <laughs> like i think it's i think it's just important to to kind of get that defensive guy first um and then you know build off of that a little bit but it's going definitely going to be interesting and fun to see which quarterbacks kind of come up midseason agreed cuz the Broncos should definitely take one next year um you know and and even if it's early on you could still develop him behind teddy that's you can kinda, always trade for like gardner Minshew. you know you never know i was hoping uh back back before broncos traded for teddy i was kind of hoping they they grabbed gardner Minshew if they were going to do the competition with Locke. gannon i like teddy bridgewater a lot i also think like his experiences and i've said this before for our listeners but i think he like the fact that he's been hurt he's been the guy he's been a backup he's been a free agent and it didn't work out. And now he's with Denver. I think he has those experiences like for a rookie quarterback, you have a guy that has like a wealth of knowledge that you can kind of like pick his brain and learn from. Um, and I also think like everything I've ever heard and read and like studied about Bridgewater is like, he's the kind of guy who would be a veteran mentor. Uh, he's not like a Joe Flacco type where he's going to be like, it's not my job. Um, so I, I do like that. So it's like one of those situations where I'm open to the idea. If a quarterback emerges, uh, if they extend Bridgewater as a bridge and then like they, they bring in a guy, I like it. Um, I'm also very open to the idea, obviously of like an Aaron Rodgers trade or a Matt Ryan trade, something like that. Um, but that's, you know, we'll see that's, that's for next, you know, it's for like three months from now or four months from now. And I'm worrying about it. Um, but looking, looking back at the game though, I want to ask you, uh, how, if the Jaguars win, how do you see it kind of coming together? So. If the Jaguars win, uh, I've mentioned the secondary a lot, uh, so I don't really want to go back there because obviously, you know, the secondary has to stop an offense in order, you know, for, for you know, the, the score not to get run up on them, right? So besides the secondary, uh, I think running the ball is going to be a huge factor in the game because... 
they didn't do well last week running. I mean, they got some some first downs, but they weren't able to actually establish the run. Uh, and I'm, despite the three interceptions, I'm not that worried about uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think he'll be able to move the ball down the field. He did that a lot last week. So just as long as he can kind of, he'll be able to throw those rinky-dink passes. I think the run game is going to be a huge factor. I think James Robinson and Carlos Hyde will really have to do well if if they want to think about a W. If the Broncos win, how do you expect it to go? <laughs> it's funny because when I looked at your questions, I kind of I wrote the same thing for both. Okay, you know, if the Broncos win, the Jaguar, you know, and the Jaguars win, and both lines, I put Jaguars secondary. Yeah. So if the Broncos just like light it up, because I I think the Jaguars run defense is is good enough. Um, you know, we both love Javante Williams though, so. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to see how he does. Um, but I but I think that the Jaguars will be able to, you know, they'll be pretty good in the run. Now watch me watch watch the Broncos break one for like 80 yards, then that would really suck. But I think the secondary is going to be the biggest uh factor. So I think if uh if you know your wide receivers can get downfield, uh then then they can definitely win the game. That's one of those things like if if the Bron and it's weird because like if the Broncos can exploit the secondary of the Jaguars, I think after this week we're gonna start hearing a lot of people start to like put some some love on Bridgewater's name just because even after the performance against the Giants, like I think at one point like he had the highest QBR. Like and I know like in terms of like, the advanced stats, he was like one of the top guys for uh the athletics Ben Baldwin. He, he does like the EPA. Like I know Bridgewater mm-hmm. was up near the top by Mahomes, and like still you're, you're not hearing much about him. So it's I do think if if the Broncos come out of this game and Bridgewater looks good, we're going to start to hear a lot about it. Um, but I do think you're, to your point, I think it, it will depend on the wide receivers because Bridgewater, he's one of those guys that like his supporting cast really dictates how he looks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there were only two drops. I'm looking them up on PFF right now. Um, you know, there there are only two drops. Uh, you know, for, from your wide receivers, yep. his total throw time on dropbacks was three seconds which is better than what the Jaguars was like 2.6 seconds. And then Tyrod Taylor was like 2.8. So that's how much time they had to throw. Teddy has three seconds, 3.5 seconds. Um, You know, it says that he only had three scrambles, which I think is false because sometimes PFF, you know, you guys got, you got like teenagers across the country, just like watching for these things. And sometimes, you know, they, they don't get that stuff right. But, um, but I think, you know, his offensive line, he has a good chance to do well because he has the time. His receivers aren't dropping passes. Um, so, you know, he has a good chance. Um, you know, ho- ho- hopefully he doesn't, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, I think they'll put some respect on his name a little bit uh, after after this week, man. That, that, uh, that one stiff arm that he put on that Giants defender, I don't know who it was, but... That was nice. I'm hoping that don't happen to Chase on this week. So, <laughs> gun to your head, who who do you predict comes out of this game? Uh, I I I can no longer say the Jaguars are going to win uh, because I said it last week. I was so confident. I was so confident was that they were going to win, man. Um. So I I think I think the Broncos will win, and then maybe I'll. 
the universe will prove me wrong again. But I think the Broncos will maybe take this one, take this one home. Um, you want to, you want a possible score? Sure. Uh, um, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game in terms of passing. Um, might want to take the over. <laughs> I don't know. Um, they. 3324 maybe that's a little high in a score uh but i don't know do you guys ever score that that much? like how, how much you get last week 27 right 27 and no normally we do not um mile high reports joe mahoney does a lot of looks at like different scores and stuff and the broncos very rarely pass 30 so really but, but really again, hmm. teddy no and I, and I will say this though i am confident that teddy bridgewater before the end of this year again if he stays healthy will be the best quarterback that the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning. So I do think that 30 is possible, but yeah, the, the recent history suggests that they, they have not done it much. <laughs> we do have something in common, Tim Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. I, I had to mention his name once, I guess. Right. What do you, <laughs> since, since we're here, what did you think of the tight end <laughs> experience with T Tim Tebow? I wish they gave him a little bit more time, but damn, he looked bad. He looked bad in blocking, but yeah. like you can't like he imagine the backlash that Urban would have got if he, he kept, kept him, him on for another week after that, like that one play that went viral of Tim Tebow, like trying to bend over and block that guy. They would have like thrown so much like privileged stuff out there and like, oh, man, like he's just doing a favor, like and all this stuff. So I'm glad that they let him go, but I would have liked to seen him get another chance, especially receiving because the tight end for the Jaguars last week did terrible. O'Shaughnessy, he had like so many drops. Like, I just wish that, you know, they had, they had another playmaker there. I think Tim, Tim T will be cool in, in the passing game, but I don't think he was ready to be honest. Yeah, to me, like my favorite part about the Tim Tebow experience with you guys is the fact that it meant that Eric Saubert became a free agent because Eric Saubert has been so far. He, I have been very happy with him for the Broncos. Um, third tight end, so he's not going to be a household name or anything, but he's in, uh, done a good job blocking. Um, he's an underrated receiver. He's not a dynamic athlete necessarily. Um, he's a good athlete, but he's not. You know, he's not. He's not Albert O or Noah Fant. But as a third tight end, he's a mismatch problem. So like, I do like that, and I. I thought the Broncos with Shermer. I, I did not think Shermer was going to use tight ends as much as he did last week. So to me, the fact that he did is is a sign that he recognizes what he has in that personnel room. But, yeah, they really ran 13 personnel. Damn, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, I want to say 10 times over the course of the game. So. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And guys, if, if you have not followed Lori on twitter go do it it is Lori fitzpatrick um i'm gonna spell out the last part just because you um it is f-i-t-z-p-t-r-c-k so no a um but go follow her yeah no no a and no i that i take the vowels out the last name besides the fits i gotta keep the fits intact right so definitely <laughs> thank you so much man definitely